0: I I think if any of us have been around uh, church long enough, that this is a passage that we've heard preached, and we've heard read, we've probably even um, seen uh, maybe uh, skits done with it. Um, So it is a passage that we're very, very, very familiar with. But I do think that there is a lot of confusion about what's actually going on, and about what God is actually trying to say through what Jesus does. I remember the, the, the first time I preached on this, I had posted on Facebook, um, just, uh, I think it was, why did Jesus calm the storm? And that was it. And I just kind of wanted to get a bit of feedback from Christians and non-Christians alike to see what, what people's general idea of the passage was. And there were some great, I mean, all answers were good. Um, in their In their own way, um, Christians came back and, and gave some pretty uh, classic answers um, it 's to show that all of the storms of our lives will be calmed if we trust in Jesus. Um, others said, "Oh, it was just an episode of his life, and there 's no real deep meaning um, but a lot in fact, Christians and non Christians didn 't actually quite believe that it had happened; they more believed it was a metaphor like It didn't really happen it's something that mark wrote down to kind of give that idea that oh if we trust in jesus the storms of our lives will be calmed and everything will be okay but it didn't actually happen but actually what we're going to see is that it's absolutely essential that we actually believe that this truly truly happened because it shows something essential about who christ is You see, this passage begins at a a section where Jesus, where people who are driven to absolute despair come to Jesus and find exactly what they need. He heals a man assailed by not one demon, but, but a legion of demons, many demons. There's a woman who is desperate for forgiveness and finds it in Christ. And he raises a child from death, proving he is sovereign over all of this. And likewise, in this passage, we see something essential just like that about who Christ is and what it's like to come to Him. And we see the reaction that the disciples have. And I think that what happens in this passage is they make three vital mistakes about Jesus. And they all start with P. It's really easy to remember. They make a mistake about the person of Jesus. They make a mistake about the purpose of Jesus. That he has and they make a mistake about his presence and the effect that his presence has so they make a mistake about the person of Jesus so if we look down at verses um, 37 and 38 again it says and a great windstorm arose and the waves were breaking into the boat so that the boat was already filling but he was in the stern asleep on the cushion So what's this showing about Jesus? He um, is sleeping in a boat that is filling up with water in a violent storm. They're on the the Sea of Galilee, which was known to be a violent, violent area where storms would erupt a lot. And they wouldn't be sort of little showers. They would be violent storms that could be life-threatening. And he is asleep in this boat that's being rocked by this storm. You see, up until now, he had been um, preaching and performing uh, miracles um, for quite a while and was most likely absolutely exhausted. And he he, he, mentioned, he, he says, you know, the, the, the crowd that were following him, they were going to take the long way around the lake. He was going to be in the boat so he could rest, so he could finally get some time just to sleep. And he chooses to do that in a boat that's being rocked by this storm now don't know about you i i don't always i don't sleep very well even if i'm in um, a, a really nice hotel the first night in a new place i just cannot sleep and yet here we have jesus sleeping in a boat that's gradually filling up with water on the sea of galilee which was renowned for having huge storms now that's just stating the obvious of what the passage says, you know. And and any any person can come to that passage and, and see that. But why is it actually really really important? Well, if we look at the Psalms, Psalm one hundred and twenty-one verses three and four says, "He will not." So this is God. He will not let your foot be moved. He who keeps you will not slumber. Behold. He who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. So why is it that Jesus is sleeping? Well, it's showing that he is not, he wasn't just simply this, this um, man look-alike. He didn't just look like one of us. He genuinely was human. He was fully human. See, if we, if we look at uh, Philippians 1.7, it shows that Jesus didn't um, think of equality with God as something to be grasped, but he rid himself of that and became like us in every single way except sin. And so with waves crashing over him in a boat that was gradually filling with water, he could sleep because he was human and humans get exhausted. We do. And I think sometimes we really forget about this. We forget about his humanity and just assume that his life was this sort of, it it looked like a human life, but he kind of just hovered over the earth and had not a care in the world. And yet, this shows that Jesus Christ was genuinely, truly human, just like every one of us. He went through the same things as us, he had the same joys as us, he had the same sorrows as us, he faced the same temptations as us, and he experienced exhaustion after, after hard work just like we do. But can we actually stop there? A, a lot of people do stop there. A lot of people say, oh, it's, it's, I love the passages about Jesus where it shows his humanity. And, and that's, that's great, obviously. It's, it's written in the Bible for a reason. But a lot of people want to stop there and say, wasn't he, he? He's a great teacher. He's a good rabbi. He's a great philosopher, a great prophet. He kind of shows us how we should live. He gives us a few sort of moral ideas, moral pointers to live. But he, he was nothing more than that. And yet, if we stop there, we forget the other thing that this passage shows about the person of Jesus Christ. If we look at verse 39, it says, "And he awoke." so, this is after, so the, the disciples woke him up and said, "Do you not care that we are perishing?" And verse 39 says, "And he awoke and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, "Peace, be still." And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. You see, the, the, there was a belief back then that, that the sea was kind of where God and evil met. They clashed. And they, they, there wasn't one that was better than the other. They were actually both equals. And, and, they, and God and evil just had to fight it out. And that's why you know, the sea was a place of chaos. You never knew who was going to win. It could be God, could be evil, who knows. And yet here, with mere words, Jesus calms the storm. And it doesn't say, it doesn't just say the wind ceased, the rain ceased. It says the wind ceased and there was a great calm. He simply says the words, he simply says, peace, be still. And it's gone. And the the, the disciples have the right reaction in verse 41. It says they were filled with great fear. Of course they were. A man had just said, peace be still, to a storm, and it had obeyed him and said to one another, who then is this, that even the wind and the sea obey him? They're terrified. See, in in the Psalms again, you see, you could actually read the whole book of Psalms, and once you'd read the book of Psalms, this entire passage makes perfect sense. In Psalm 89, verse 9, talking about God, it says, You rule the raging of the sea. When its waves rise, you still them. A bit further on in, in Psalm 107, verse 29, it says, He made the storm be still, and the waves of the sea were hushed. And so the disciples see Jesus say to the storm, Peace, be still, and the storm obeys him, And now they would have known the Psalms. They would have known, well, there's only one person who can do this. We only know of one being who's capable of this. And they're not afraid of any storm anymore. They're terrified of the person that's in front of them. He's not simply a human. He is God himself. And they have doubted him. And so what... What's he about to do to them? Of course they were terrified. They didn't realize that the man that they had been following was not just a man. They they saw this is the true living God. And Jesus rebukes them in verse 40 for not knowing this. He says, do you not have faith? So, Again, if you've been around church, you, you know this. You, you know that Jesus, we hear it so often, Jesus was both man and God. But the whole point of the book of Mark is to tell us the good news. And so why is it good news for us today in Belfast on the Alma Road that Jesus Christ is both man and God? Well, we were singing it earlier in, when we were singing Rejoice, I love that last verse where it says, all our sickness, all our sorrows, he's carried up the hill. He walked this path before us and he is walking with us still. You see, in his humanity, he is completely able to sympathize and identify with us in every way. And we, we, we've all been through difficult times and maybe right now you are as well. And we've all heard the line from someone else very well meaning, oh, I, I know how you feel. I know exactly what you mean. Oh yeah, 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 I, I know how that feels. And, and, and they might have some idea, maybe. They might have a really great idea of how, how that feels. But a lot of the time, it's, it's they don't really. And yet we know that Jesus can truly identify with everything that we suffer, everything that we go through as humans, because he has been there before us. The book of Hebrews reminds us that Jesus is a great um, high priest. He can sympathize with us. He knows what it's like. And yet, the great news as well is that because he is God, he can actually do something about it as well. He doesn't simply say, oh, I I know how that, I know how you feel. I, I know what it's like to walk through suffering. I know what it's like to walk through illness. I know what it's like to lose someone. He can actually do something about it. And we can be certain of this when we fix our eyes on the cross where we see that he had lived the life that we were supposed to live, experienced everything that we experience except sin, and on the cross experienced the death that we should have experienced. And yet because he is God, he is alive today, and so we can come to him knowing that he's God, and yet we can also come to him knowing that he is our brother who knows the greatest sufferings that we have been through. You see, they didn't understand the person of Jesus. Second thing they didn't understand was the, his, his loving purpose for them. They failed to truly trust his, that he had a purpose for them you see, Jesus in, at the beginning of this passage says, let us go across to the other side. And when the storm kicks up, in verse 38, they say, teacher, do you not even care that we are perishing? You kind of see the contrast between Jesus who, even though there's a storm, is able to sleep because he knew that his father had a purpose for him. Again, in the Psalms, I mean, it, this this passage is just takes all the Psalms together. It's it's incredible. Psalm three, verse five says, "I lay down and slept. I woke again, for the Lord sustained me." Jesus knew this. He had full faith that God had a perfect purpose. For him, and so with those waves crashing and with the boat filling, he can sleep because not only is he exhausted but he also trusts God, and yet they fail to trust Him. I wonder if, if you, I mean, it's, it's, really, it's really a silly question. If you know, I wonder if you've ever had restless nights worrying about something, of, of course, of course, you have. We've, we've all done that, probably even maybe this week. Worrying about maybe small stuff. Worrying about maybe, maybe some pretty, pretty big stuff. What, what a great comfort to know. What a great comfort we find in that psalm. I lay down and slept. I woke again for the Lord sustained me. See, Jesus, we, we know that Jesus led a stressful um, life full of suffering. And yet he sleeps he knows that God is watching over him; He is sustaining him. And yet the disciples freak out the minute the storm kicks up. They start freaking out. They wake him up and accuse him of not even caring. You know, do, do you not care about us? Do you not care that we're suffering? What about the other boats? What about them? Never mind us. What? What about them? Do you not even care about them? What, what an insult, what a slap in the face that is to Jesus, who they'd walked with, who they had every reason to trust. The storm kicked up and they, they freak out and accuse him of not caring. It's, it, it's, it's, a, yeah, it's a good thing that we're, it's a good thing that we're not like that, isn't it? It's a good thing that, that we have learned that lesson for the disciples, and, and we're not like that at all. Did Jesus not care? Did he just, did he just go to bed and, and decide, you know what, you guys fend for yourselves. I'm fine, I'm God. I can, I'll, I'll get out of this. We'll, you know, You guys, you know. Of course he cared. He knew perfectly well why he was taking them through that. He teaches them who he is, and he teaches them to fix their eyes on him. He had a clear, clear purpose. You see, he told them, let's go to the other side. And you you may have seen when we were reading this that the passage stops at the end of chapter 4, but we included verse 1 from chapter 5 because what happens? It says they came to the other side. See, Jesus said, let's go across to the other side. What happens? They went across to the other side. They made it. They got there. And so we see from this passage, when it comes to Jesus' purposes, a storm will not stop him from fulfilling what he wants. No, every single storm actually has a purpose. And now, we need to be really careful to not think that what, what this passage is saying is that suddenly, if we trust Jesus, every storm will be stilled. That's, that's something that, that some do believe, that if, if you trust in Jesus, um, suffering will go. Uh, if every problem that you've ever had will just disappear like that at the click of a finger. Actually, more often than not, Jesus leads us through storms to show us who he is. He knows why he takes us through um, suffering, through illness, through loss, through pain, through depression, through anxiety, through what you name it. And it can be so hard to trust that he genuinely has a purpose. It's very easy to say and very difficult to actually do especially while we're sort of in that situation of feeling like we're being tossed about by all of these waves, by this massive storm. And yet we see that Jesus' purposes come to pass no matter what. How can we be sure of this? Well, again, the book of Mark always wants us, Mark is always wanting us to look to the cross, because that's what everything leads to. That's what the Gospels are actually ultimately about. We look to the cross where we see God's perfect purpose. We see Jesus displaying his loving purpose that was to take on the sin of every man, every woman. And bring them into a, into a right relationship with God. I, I think I mention this, this verse pretty much every time I preach. Because I think the, this promise is just incredible. It's um, in Philippians 1 verse 6. Paul says to the church in Philippi. And I am sure of this. That he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion. At the day of Jesus Christ his purposes come about no matter what and a storm will not stop him and the gospel proves it his life his death his resurrection prove it if death couldn't hold him how is it how is a storm going to stop him they failed to see who he was the person of jesus They failed to see that he had a purpose for them and that his purposes always come about. And finally, they failed to to understand what it meant that they had his presence with them. See, what we learn from these verses is that not only does he have a loving purpose um, when he brings us through um, storms, He is with us in every storm. He told the disciples, let's go to the other side. He didn't say, you guys go. There's a storm coming um, and I'm going to avoid it. I'm going to walk around the long way. He said, no, let's go to the other side. And he went with them. And he is in the middle of every storm that we go through. And he says those words, peace be still and more often than not i think those words are actually more directed at us than they are at whatever we might be going through one of my um favorite uh singers is a guy called andrew peterson and he he has a song he has a song a song isn't a thing a song called the the rain keeps falling and it's it's actually about his um, experience of depression but in the chorus you have this voice um, going, singing over and over again, peace, be still, peace, be still, peace, be still. And it's, dire- it's actually directed at him. It's not directed at, at, at the rain that he's, he's talking about or the, the depression that it represents. And actually, the, the really beautiful thing is at the end, the rain actually becomes something good. It, it becomes something that actually helped him draw closer to Christ. And, uh, and another song that always um, actually reminds me of, of this passage is a song that we sing here sometimes um, called uh, It Is Well, the, the, what, the Bethel one. And, and the bridge in there says, Be still, my soul, and trust in Him. I love this bit. The waves and winds still know His name. He has a purpose for us, but He is with us in every storm. And those storms still know his name. All of our suffering still knows his name. Our illnesses still know his name. Doesn't mean they'll be stilled. Not yet. But I think the biggest lesson we can learn here is that his presence with us is enough. We spend so much of our lives panicking and worrying about so many different things. We, we spend so much of our time panicking when we go through different things like suffering, like illness, like what, you, you name it. We forget that His presence with us is enough. You see, the disciples trusted their own abilities. They, they were fishermen. They knew the Sea of Galilee. They knew um, w- what it was like to be caught in a storm there, and they knew that you didn't want to be caught in a storm On the Sea of Galilee and yet they failed to realize that their own abilities weren't actually going to help them it was his presence with them his presence with them was enough and again how do we know this is actually true for us today 21st century in Belfast well once again we turn our eyes to the cross we turn our eyes to his death and his resurrection and in mark 15 we see that when he is killed on the cross the veil in the temple is torn the curtain is torn into showing that god is no longer restricted to a certain place in the temple his presence isn't restricted to a certain person for a certain day of the year in a certain small enclosed area. It is for all of those who trust in Christ. And so as we go through whatever it is that we go through, we know for certain that he is with us. He, is, he lives in us and he is reminding us peace. Be still. And he is enough. As we, as we come to uh, the end here, we need to remember what this means for us today. For us today, this means we have tr- incredible supernatural comfort in the middle of anything that we go through because he has gone through it before. He can actually do something about it because he is God. He has a perfect purpose in it. Our suffering isn't meaningless if we trust in Christ. If we don't trust in Christ, our suffering is meaningless. There's no meaning to suffering. It's just something that you have to live through and then hopefully you get through it and life goes on or it doesn't. But if we trust in Christ, it is completely meaningful. And he is with us in it. And not only that, not only is there comfort for today, because if that's where it ends, well, then what happens tomorrow? What happens the next day? What happens at the end of our lives? Does that end? There's not only present comfort, but there is a future hope future certainty that he is bringing every storm to an end. See, in in Revelation 21, verse 1, um, John, who's receiving this revelation from God, says, uh, he he writes down, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. See, the the sea where there was the, the symbol of Um, of uh, sort of God and evil clashing, the sea that was this symbol of um, turmoil, of chaos, what happens at the end? It's done away with. Every storm, every, um, every bit of chaos that you might be going through, that I might be going through, that we will go through, it's done away with completely. If we trust in Christ... We know that a day is coming when all of that will be done away with and we will spend eternity with him, with the one who has been through everything that we've been through, who has a clear purpose for why he brings us through what he brings us through and whose presence is enough. Let's beg the Spirit to turn our eyes to him to help us worship Him as God, knowing that He is our brother also, that He has a loving purpose, and that He is enough, and be encouraged that there isn't just that present comfort, but there is also that future hope for all of those who have trusted in Christ, that every storm will be wiped away, the sea will be no more. And we will spend eternity with him. Let's pray.